Welcome to 15 Minutes of Fangs and Folklore with me, your host, Matthew Miller, where we give you pint-sized and bite-sized pieces of supernatural lore, monster lore, zombies, vampires, werewolves, all the good stuff, exploring their origins, their history, and their meaning to the human condition. Listen if you dare. Thought we'd have a little fun with the intro music tonight, some Warren Zevon action going there. Werewolves of London. What's out there in the night? Have you ever thought about that? What's really out there? Have you ever lain in bed? Maybe you couldn't sleep, you hear something outside in the distance? Is it the call of a nocturnal bird of prey like an owl or something else? The howl of a wolf? Or something much darker? Can man become wolf? Can we, in fact, tame that monstrous, beastly side of ourselves? Retain that thin veil of civility that we fool ourselves with? Hmm, what do you think? I'm your host, Matthew Miller, expert on all things monster and paranormal. I'm a horror writer from the dark and haunted swamps of Louisiana. It's my pleasure to welcome you to my terrifying world. Please check out my books on Amazon, beginning with Blood Feud, a punk rock vampire story. That's Blood Feud, a punk rock vampire story. It's volume one of the Gravediggers series. The Gravediggers are a punk rock band who keep crossing paths with all sorts of dark, evil, nasty creatures. It's horror, it's comedy, and one super entertaining series. And volume four, by the way, is coming out very soon, any day now. So be sure to read the first three volumes so you'll be up to date with the story. I, uh, Santa was good to me this Christmas. He brought me some equipment upgrade for the podcast. I have a beautiful new Yeti X, Blue Yeti X microphone, a nice uh, pop filter, a foam shield, and soon enough I'll have a little setup where I have a auxiliary, actually an iPad acting as an auxiliary screen. I also am going to start making videos of myself to post on YouTube, talking about all sorts of things, horror, the writing process, and so forth. So stay tuned. Exciting things coming. Let's talk werewolves. So uh, we skipped uh, one werewolf episode to talk about Countess Elizabeth Bathory, a one-time, one-off episode. Today we're continuing the werewolves. We looked at some ancient werewolf tales, looked at several cases of European werewolf trials, actual historical trials, and I thought tonight we would take a look at some werewolf lore from around the world. In other words, Europeans aren't the only game in town, right? (laughs) Let's start with South America. We have a creature called the Louison, or also Lobison, uh, is another way it's found in some places, and it's a South American werewolf. And it uh, is found mostly in Argentina, Brazil, Paraguay, Uruguay, and especially in Argentina, I believe. And it stems from the Portuguese belief, remember they colonized part of South America, that the seventh son of a family of all boys would turn into a Luizon on the night of a full moon, especially if it, found, uh, if it fell on a Friday. This myth is especially prevalent, apparently, in Argentina. And the, the Argentine president, Juan Domingo Perón, actually literally believes in this myth. Uh, some weird story about adopting a Jewish stepson to stop him from turning into a wolf. You can look that up yourself. It's bizarre. Uh, the origin, apparently, though, 
uh, not only is uh, uh, the Portuguese who you know started kind of the idea of the seventh son, but the actual shape-shifting legend is from the Guarani mythology, and the Gua- uh, Guarani are indigenous people of Paraguay, and their mythology said that there are seven monsters. Kind of like, if you remember, the Sumerians believed that there were seven demons, didn't they? Anyway, seven original monsters, and one of them was this uh, man and uh, half man, half demon, half wolf. Uh, Apparently, the original indigenous legend had no relation to a wolf, but it was more like a a god of death or a warning of death. But when the Europeans colonized South America, the idea of the Luizon uh, kind of morphed into a werewolf mythology and became this half-man, half-wolf. So today, the Luizon apparently is half-man, half-wolf, much like our werewolves here in uh, in Europe and here in the U.S. Let's talk about Mexico. Of course, Mexico is really more Central America than South America. It has a long history of the Maya, the Aztecs, and others, but especially the Maya. And werewolves in Mexico today are known as the Nahual, and that is a Mayan word, obviously. <laughs> the belief in Mexican uh, werewolves. So, um, like all legends, it varies from region to region. Some believe it's good, but many believe it's evil. And it basically, it's the idea that there's a spirit inside of an animal. Jaguar being one obvious example. The Maya, you know, love their jaguars and so on. But um, actually, in many regions, it's more than that. It's believed that Certain men, magicians, who are powerful, can turn themselves into animals to hurt other people, right? And the word Nahual apparently means disguise or is related to a Maya word for disguise. So, you know, these magicians can change themselves into animals to do mischief, to do harm, to do evil. That's very much like the European werewolf myth, except that in the European myth, uh, they can only change, in some versions, on the full moon, the full moon. Next time we'll explore why that's important, the full moon, what that means. But um, So that's South American Mexican myth. We have this a concept, let's travel across the world, to uh, Arabia, the Levant, right, and then Northern Africa and other parts of Africa, as well as what we would call in the U.S., American English, the Middle East. And um, this is the weir hyena, not the werewolf. Now, hyenas, if you understand... If you've never seen them or learned about them, they are vicious, vicious creatures. They're not just like dogs who happen to live in the savanna. They're vicious. They are deadly eating machines. All they think about is eating. They'll eat anything and anyone. In fact, this is really disgusting, but it said that if a hyena is injured, and it'll eat other hyenas, and if it's injured and say its intestines are falling out, it'll try to eat its own intestines. So uh, they're eating machines. And so this idea of the weir hyena is pretty common because we might think of a wolf as being scary out there in nature, but uh, in parts of the world they would think of the hyena. So some African countries, Somalia, uh, there is the creature Kori Ismaris, and it is the the weir hyena. And a person becomes this, a man actually, by rubbing himself with a magic stick uh, in the night. And then to become a man again from the hyena does it again. So a magic stick, I won't explore the phallic uh, (laughs) symbol there, uh, what it might mean, but a magic stick, rub yourself with it, turn into a hyena, then before the sun rises, do it again, become human. In Ethiopia, there's a belief that every blacksmith is really 
a witch who can change into a hyena. And apparently in that culture, you become a blacksmith because your father was, and your father before him, your grandfather, great-grandfather, so forth. So, boy, it's kind of bad luck to be a blacksmith, huh? Everyone uses their services but thinks they are weird hyenas. And it's believed that they are ghouls, meaning that they dig up dead bodies. And uh, apparently, even in the modern age in Ethiopia, people sort of are suspicious uh, with blacksmiths. And... Um, this creature is called a boda or a Buddha, and it's also found this legend in uh, Tanzania, Morocco, which is interesting, northern Africa, and then Sudan. And in Morocco, we have, you've probably heard of the Berber uh, people, uh, a nomadic people. They uh, also believe in this werewolf, this Buddha, or sorry, werehyena, Buddha. It's unfortunate that... <laughs> Ethiopian Jewish people have been accused of being Buddha. You know, Jewish people throughout history have been scapegoats for many society, various societies, but there's a lot of Jewish people in Ethiopia. And uh, accused of being this too, of course, that's ridiculous. It's just an example of racism, basically, or, or religious racism, religious uh, chauvinism. In um, the area of Chad, in the Kanuri language, which I know nothing about, where hyenas are called Bultungin, I guess. And apparently that translation means changing into a hyena. It is, uh, there are legends there of entire villages with these, filled with these creatures. They were people, but at night became hyenas. And um, so, wow, that's kind of spooky. The entire village, you go in not knowing what's happening that night. You're surrounded by hyenas who eat you alive. In the Sudan, West Sudan, there is a creature, uh, human, that becomes a monster. Not necessarily a uh, hyena, but some other kind of furry monster that uh, eats people. Apparently, it has a special taste for lovers. People out maybe, you know, doing what they shouldn't be doing at night, secretly away from their families. It comes and it eats them. It also is uh, associated with blacksmiths or, in Sudan, uh, woodcutters. And uh, you can tell, though, because the person might have an especially hairy body <laughs> and red glowing eyes. And uh, we'll see that trait later when we talk about Native Americans. In Mali, um, there is a religion called Kore of the Bambara people. And uh, they can also believe they can become hyenas by acting like hyenas, you know, putting on masks, role play, and so forth. Uh, I don't know what else to say about that. I guess the proof's in the pudding. Can they really become were hyenas? I don't know. So the were hyena, it's easy to say why the, see rather why the hyena would be a feared creature because it's so vicious, so vicious. It won't stop eating. Let's move farther east to Asia, far east Asia, uh, Korea, Japan, China, Vietnam, Laos, and so forth, right? So in most of Asia, there is the, uh, the legend of a kind of were fox, a weird fox. It has different names in different countries. In Japan, I know it's called Kitsune. In China, it is called uh, the fox spirit, which is Hulijing. And then Vietnam is the Holiting, which obviously they got from the Chinese word. The Chinese version sometimes has nine tails, called the fox of nine tails. It can be seen as a good omen, a good sign, if it appears in peacetime. However, uh, these legends vary a lot, but there's one general story behind it. 
basically, it's a, it's a reverse weir animal. <laughs> it's not a human who becomes a fox. It's a fox who becomes a human. An older fox, usually. And somehow it gains the ability to magically become a woman, not just that, but a beautiful woman. Its purpose is to seduce men, have sex with them, and then during the act, it eats them alive. Boy, that's a, that's a uh, bad interruption to sex, right? <laughs> Eaten alive. Thought the phone ringing was bad. My God. The only way to tell that, um, that she is the weird fox is that everything about her changes to human except the tail. You can see the tail, so she has to try to hide it with her clothing or somehow, right, or, or else she'll be found out. And in most versions, you can kill the weird fox by cutting its head off. Very interesting to me that it's kind of the reverse of our Western ideas, not human to animal, but animal to human to deceive the people. Your guess is as good as mine how a fox becomes a magician. We're talking about Asia, well, I'd be remiss in my lycanthropic duties if I didn't talk about the Native American shapeshifters. And, of course, the Maya, the Aztec, the Inca are also in it, considered Native Americans. But I'm referring here to the peoples, the nations, the tribes that populated North America rather than Central and South America before the uh, Europeans came. You know, I'm talking about names like Cherokee, Navajo, and so forth. So the Navajo people are famous for their beliefs in skinwalkers. Many of the different uh, peoples have beliefs in this, but Navajo have a strong belief in skinwalkers, which are basically humans who transform into animals. Sometimes this, this can be considered a good thing, such as when people find their spirit animal, an animal that you have a special connection to. The Navajo word for skinwalkers, and I don't speak any Navajo, I would love to learn the language, so I'm sorry for my mispronunciation if you are Navajo, but it's yin adloshi, yin, yin adloshi, I'm sure that's, I'm butchering that pronunciation, sorry. Uh, so this is the general word for a skinwalker. So sometimes the skinwalkers are not bad, but sometimes they are evil. Sometimes they are people who are cursed for doing something horrible murder or something like on that level. And uh, very much like the African uh, version we saw above, you could always tell that someone was a yin adlushi because its eyes were wide and glowing. Even in the bright sun, its eyes were wide and glowing like an animal. Also, they had no genitals hmm, and their skin was armored. Really hard to kill them, right? Now, in some legends, Native American legends, while the person was this animal, they were just an animal, like a regular animal, like, you know, unpredictable, only dangerous if you corner them, things like that. Think about a wolf, right? Just a normal wolf, not a werewolf, a normal wolf. They're pretty harmless unless you attack them or corner them or they're starving to death or something. They're fairly harmless, but you still don't want to go near them, right? But in other versions, it is inherently evil and it eats people. So we see this eating of humans as a, uh, a, a very common thread through all of these weird animal myths. I believe there's a reason for that, which we'll talk about next time in the last, last edition of the Werewolf uh, series. How to kill a Native American skinwalker? There are many, many different methods, many different tales. Some people believe you use white ash, either assault them with it or sprinkle it on their tail. In other stories, you can actually kill it like you would a, you know, a human, cut its head off or run it through the chest with a, with a spear or something. But remember, it has armored skin, uh, thick armored skin. So, uh, you know, not as easy as it sounds. You can see then that we Westerners are hardly alone in our fascination with people who can turn into animals. 
The idea is ancient, in fact, is found in the oldest records of humankind. Fascinates me, and it always has, this idea of our human nature, our quote-unquote civilized nature, versus the animal within us, right? We are, after all, animals. We're hairless apes, and uh, we're mammals, right? So there's something in us that is not quite human, something in us that recalls the ancient days when we lived in caves, when we were much closer to nature and much closer to animals than we are today, when we actually had to fight for our lives and to eat and to protect our families and our tribes against the wandering animals of the night. Thank you for listening, and if you happen to run into someone whose eyes are wide and glowing, even in the daytime, well, maybe they're just stoned, but maybe, just maybe, you might want to avoid them, just in case. See you next time, and sleep well, if you can. Aoo! Yeah.